What's up, everybody? This is Edgar Martin from the Q&E Podcast, just bringing you this message that today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. It could be sports, entertainment, or anything else that you feel people might want to listen to. Once again, that's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, Podgo. You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? Well, come again, you're, you're listening to the Q&E Podcast. You're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. I got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. We got a special guest with us today, David Wilson. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead, David. What's good? It's David E. Wilson. Uh, you know, Former New York Giant, running back, first round pick. Now I'm making music, and uh, yes, I'm here to. And where can they find you? Where can they find you at? Yeah, they can check me out on my Instagram, four still running, on my Twitter, four still running. Uh, gotcha, spelled gotcha. correctly, and then they can click the SoundCloud link to check the music, or on your music platform, just search David E. Wilson, and it's different music everywhere. So just search that, and you'll find what you need. Got you, bro. Got you. Uh, all right, just so they know the I'm making beats. I'm making beats too. So if y'all need a beat for y'all podcast, so, okay, cool. Got you. Got you. So you are you an artist and a, a beat a producer? Or are you just a producer? No, nah, yeah, I produce. I do all of the right lyrics. Cool. Got cool. you. Got you. Got you. Oh yeah, we definitely hit you up because I was looking for somebody to do an intro for us to begin with. So we'll definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So for sure. Yes, sir. So the first thing I wanted to talk uh, talk to you about was something I tapped into your Instagram live. I want to say last week. And you were talking about a rabbit chasing story, bro. You were talking to somebody about it. And I didn't get the full story on it. And I'm yeah. chasing of being more of a South Florida thing. I didn't know I was uh, being from Danville, Virginia. I didn't know that's what, that was like a global thing. So can you just yeah. take to a couple of stories of how that even started off for you with the rabbit chasing? Yeah, so I was like going through the list one day, like, man, I caught like every kind of animal that's like, you know what I'm saying, accessible. Mm-hmm to catch, like, in my neighborhood kind of thing. Like, I caught, I caught birds, like pigeons. Yeah. Squirrels. You live in the country then? Yeah, Danville country, yeah. Yeah. Lizards, snakes, like, going looking for crawfish, everything, right? So I'm catching all this stuff. So it's just like a thing we do with my friends, like, outside playing. And, uh, but with rabbits, I caught a baby rabbit before, but with rabbits, I never could catch them because they always had, like, a dip fence, like, hit the fence, run under the yeah. car, like, you know what I'm saying? Running the whole... Mm-hmm. So this one time I'm walking to Virginia Tech, <clears throat> uh, just got there on campus, new dude on campus, walking on campus, chilling, and then in the drill field, anybody that go to Virginia Tech, you know what a drill field is, it's like a big open field where everybody be chilling or whatever, have events, different things like that. So we out there, and I'm walking, and I see this rabbit in the middle of the field, and I'm like, yo, this is game time, because this rabbit is, has no, like, escape route, he's going, like, pure speed, we're going to... Uh, Pure agility, pure speed, like chance right here. Mm-hmm. I knew the rabbit would probably get me though if I just like was like loud about it. So I just like kind of snuck up, snuck up, took my time, got close as I could. Striking distance. Grabbed him by his ears. <laughs> I held him for a few seconds, but it was like, like for real, for real, when I caught the baby rabbit, it was like more easy because it was like a baby, of course. But like mm-hmm. catching a grown rabbit, this joint was stronger. So like I just let it go. Luckily, I ain't get scratched and then like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's crazy, bro. I, I was, that was I like a lot of energy at one point. Yeah, literally <laughs> from South Florida stuff. I ain't, I ain't never really heard nobody else doing that. Maybe exactly. in like Alabama. I heard my dad used to do that back in Alabama because they grew up in the country. But other yeah. than that, I just thought it was like some South Florida stuff. Yeah, you from Florida, right? Yeah, yeah we from Florida. Florida. Yeah, yeah, bet, bet. Yeah, but that's like part. St. Pete. Pete. Okay. I don't know. You know that. So you know where it's at. I know where uh, Winter Haven. Y'all down like further south, close to like Miami. We like central we west. We more about west. Tampa. By Tampa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we right over there by Tampa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know where the uh, Tampa Bay Rays play at? Yeah, I know where the, the city that they stadium in. Yeah, I trained down there at uh, ESPN Wild World of Sports. Yeah. Okay, that was so, Atlanta. Like, I'm yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. familiar. Yeah, I'm a little bit familiar with the like Tampa like area. I've been there a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like right across the bridge from them. We right across the bridge from Tampa. All right, gotcha. bet. Yep, yep. All right, bro. Uh, so 
other than chasing rabbits and stuff like that, when it comes to people in your early football life, who kind of inspired you to get into the game of football? Was it a parent, a parent figure or a, a role model or anything like that? Yeah, so when I was growing up, uh, my dad was, like, always introducing me to new things or whatever. <clears throat> and he took these pictures of me when I was, like, three years old in a Redskins uniform. So, like, as far as, like, football, obviously he was saying I was asking for it. I didn't know that. I thought it was just, like, something he did on his own. Like, I got a son, I'm going to hook him up kind of thing. But, nah, he said I was asking for it. Uh, I really just remember taking interest after my brother. After I saw those pictures and, I, and the same year, my brother signed up for football. And he played football, and he brought his equipment home. And I just wanted to put the equipment on. Once I put the equipment on, I felt invincible, and I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So I missed that year to sign up, so the next year I'll sign up. <laughs> that's real. That's real. It was game time. Yeah, yeah. So who did you really model your game after? Did you look up to your brother, or was it somebody in your area that you tried to model your game after growing up being a running back? Uh. No, nah, not really. Uh, my first experience in football was just like a hidden drill. So, like, at first I thought I was going to really, like, attract the, the defense. And so one mm -hmm. time I picked up the ball and uh, scored a touchdown, like on an uh, interception or fumble recovery or whatever, and got the touchdown. And I felt like how that felt. And I was like, no, nah, I want to play offense. Yeah. I want to touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm way, I, I like to get hit. I ain't really somebody that like to give the hits. Yeah, yeah. I like to be elusive with it. I don't like to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just to piggyback off that, man, can you just speak on, like, the mindset and the qualities, like, a running back has to have to be to be great? Like, what 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 goes through your head when you're just running, running like, off tackle? What is, like, the mindset of a running back? When you know you're about to get hit every play, but you still have to get back up. So what is that, like, that consistent mindset? Just you gotta like love the grind, you gotta love the game, you gotta love physical, being physical. And you gotta like, it's just like don't stop. Like we're yeah. running back, don't stop. Like you're running through these tall, like uh, small spaces, small gaps, linebackers on the other side, defense in, like whatever, right? <clears throat> Safety mm -hmm. coming down here, it's like, nah, keep my legs moving, don't stop. Mm -hmm. Got that mindset, which I like try to uh, apply that to my life. So, yeah. Like, my hashtag is uh, for still running, like, still running. So, like, keep them legs moving. Mm-hmm. That's real. So just, just to build off of that, watching your highlights, I watched all of your Virginia Tech highlights and even watched all of your New York Giants highlights to see how you elevated your game to be so hard to bring down. Like, I literally seen highlights of you being brought down by your shoulder pads and you torque your body in a way to where you can still <laughs> keep going after the tackle. Was that just a natural talent, or did you have to grind and, like, perfect that talent? Yeah. <clears throat> so, that's, like, it's a combination of both. Because, like, you got to sharpen everything up. Like, whatever tool you got, whatever gift you got, it ain't going to be great if you don't sharpen it up. So, like, uh, I was always looking at ways to get better and incorporate everything into my game. So, like, being versatile. Like, if you look at my uh, NFL celebration, a lot of times after a touchdown, I was doing a backflip. <clears throat> yeah. It's kind of like torquing your body in the air to do like do that and be explosive. So like being explosive and whether it was track, baseball, or just running, racing in the street, jumping over something or whatever, it was like uh, just try to incorporate all these things into your game. So when I would go to practice, I would just look at stuff differently and see how I can do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, I had that don't stop, don't quit. So like I was fighting for every yard. Yeah. I hate running out of bounds. Yeah, I hate running out of bounds. And one thing I want to build off of that with, I've seen two players in the recent years of the NFL right now, two players that I see model that type of game that you had. And first one that came to mind was Le'Veon Bell, and another one that came to mind was Alvin Kamara. They both have – they both had your similar body type. They, they were around the same height, had the same type of lean body type that you had. And the way that they can bounce off of tackles and – like, they can define the way they go through um, their holes by staying after their blockers for, like, two, three seconds and then hitting the hole. Is it is it comforting to see that now? Like, people have adopted to your game of how elusive and evasive you were when blocking um, – when going behind tacklers and stuff like that? Yeah, those two great running backs. But, uh, yeah, I ain't never looked at it like that. Uh, I just see them go out there balling, doing what they got to do, like I said. 
get every yard, grind for every yard. So, so we we yeah. so fascinated when we see Le'Veon do it. It's like <laughs> you kind of did it first. Like I'm like he plays the same way Le'Veon plays, but I didn't really hear your name as much as we do now. Yeah, well, he he been playing longer than I have. Yeah, 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 way uh, way longer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but like I said, man, there's some great running backs. I ain't yeah. really know what when I was playing. I was just playing, so I ain't really looking like who was doing what first or who was like. It ain't like music or something. Like, man, they still in my technique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I ain't even think about that either. I ain't even think about that either. And those are more like slimmer running backs. You are like more, like, your legs were like tree trunks. I remember your legs being like huge. And you were always <laughs> running through the ground, man. So that's what I remember you for, like, just being evasive with the tackles and just running through and just pushing through, man. So you talking yeah. about mindset, just, it just rang back your old highlights, man. It's crazy. So I wanted you to speak on playing in your home state of Virginia and also speak on playing for Coach Beamer. And in my opinion, you're the one who put Virginia Tech back on the map for me, at least, being born in 98. Obviously, we have Mike Vick in 01 and in the 2000s doing his thing in the early 2000s. But I think you put them back on the map being a consistent top 25 team. So can you just, like, just talk about your Virginia Tech days, like I said, Coach Beamer as well, and his impact on you? Yeah, going to Virginia Tech, uh, like I said, I was—I mean, I was recruited by everybody out of, uh, you know, out of college. I mean, out of high school. So like, I had all all the opportunities to go to like Alabama, Clemson, etc. Uh, I remember being on a visit down in Auburn, which was Bo Jackson was one of my favorite players growing up, like because he was versatile, playing different yeah. sports and stuff. So like, I really admired that. And I was down there on my visit, and they had all these pictures of him, and it was one of the reasons I was interested in the school because. One of my idols went there. Like, I mean, I looked up to Bo Jackson. He went here. I could be like him kind of thing. Yeah. Play off of that. Yeah. So they, they these people that made him better. So uh, I'm down there, and they telling me about the college and how the opportunity is so great for me to come down there. They can't wait. And then I was like, yeah, where's Bo Jackson from? Uh, and then it was like, oh, Bo Jackson, he's one of our very own home bred. Like, we love that. We love that he stayed in the state. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about, like, my other players that I was, like, watching or whatever. Like you mentioned, Michael Vick. Uh, like I really like watching him play. He inspired my game a lot, and uh, Reggie Bush, and just players like that. So I just looked at where they went to college and like where they was from, and it was like they stayed in their state. And that's when I kind of looked at it as like, okay, this is your fan base that you built in Danville, Virginia. They won't be able to have access to you uh, mm-hmm. to support you uh, because you don't want to lose fans. You want to keep gaining fans. Right. So statistically, to like do that more efficiently, stay around the people that can keep boosting you up. That's been with you from day one, and hearing your name and staying in the college like uh, Virginia Tech, where you're the number one player in Virginia. It's like okay, the fans and people can't and the media can't ignore that. So like, you you avoid situations where it's like, okay, these guys are both good. This guy's from California. This guy's from, you know, Virginia. Yeah, it's like if I went to a California school and it was that situation, you know who to go pick. They gonna like try to cater to the guy that they more yeah, responsible for. Like, yeah. man, he's from here. So mm-hmm. I just thought about it like that, and then I won't finna go to UVA. <laughs> so yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. Virginia Tech time. Maybe I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. Plus they ran the ball. So Coach Beamer, Coach Beamer yeah. with special teams. You know, I like special teams. Kick returns one of my favorite parts of the game. Just having all see. like fill it. Is it's not like this, but it feel like it. Like all eleven men just like coming at me, just run through mm. them. Like pick, yeah. that, pick that weak spot and just hit it. I so that was one of my favorite parts of the game. And uh, Coach Beamer, we had Beamer ball, so I, uh, you know, I had a couple kick returns with him. And uh, yeah, he a great coach. That he a legend. He a legend. Shout out to Coach Beamer for sure. Yeah. So one question I have for you. When it comes to your college career, I noticed you played for that Team USA team, and I think y'all were playing against Canada that year. Yeah, yeah, we played against Mexico, France, and Canada in that tournament. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen, I seen a real emotional speech you gave to the team before, um, before one of those games. I can't remember which one it was, but the emotion that you had at that time, could you just walk us through that and tell us what was going through your mind? I think that was your last season as well before you got to the league. So if yeah. you want to But that was uh, for college. So yeah. I was oh, for college. That was high school. Oh, oh, it was, yeah, my bad. My yeah, bad. 18 and under. It was 18 and under all uh, that game. So yeah, we uh can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah bet. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was 18 and under that game. So uh being out there with them, 
that emotion just came from like being a part of something so special, like uh, just representing your country, being able to play, do something you love, representing your country. Uh, just that emotion alone was already built up. But then also like, uh, like I was the team captain. I'm the team captain, right? I'm just kind of walking through it. Like I'm the team captain. All these countries are staying on campus, like at this college campus. I forget the name of the college, but Brandon Orr went there uh, at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that was the college we was at or in Ohio. So yeah. we out there and we staying on this campus with all these different countries. Mostly everybody got respect or whatever. And just like, yo, like kind of like mingling, like, yo, where y'all from? Kind of thing. How y'all do things where you from? Like just, you know, networking young as we were or whatever kind of vibe. Anyway, Canada, like we get playing through the tournament, Canada start getting more edgy with us. Like in the cafeteria, they'll make little comments, like ah, little things, like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So, like stuff start building up. And then like, like when we actually ready in warmups, the team kind of like scuffled and they were saying stuff like Canada football way better than y'all. Like, Y'all, y'all try to play us. Y'all play on a small <laughs> field. Like y'all, they did just say whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, hold up, this, this is like disrespectful. And they had us on the uh, away side. I mentioned in my speech. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't the only one tripping off of that. Everybody was like, yo, why we? Why did we the away team if we play in Canada? Like everybody, was yeah, like, like that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. So all that was built up, the little scuffle in the pregame warm up. So I'm just like, yo. I always bring that energy anyway. And I always like was like every game out there, I think I was giving a speech. But that one was like, nah, y'all need to know, come out here with the same energy I'm bringing. And we went out there and killed that joint. Yeah, <laughs> that was real. Because I seen that same speech, bro. And I was wrong. Yeah, it was like 49 to 3 or something. The score was 49 yeah. to 3 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that all, passion all was really. The I know with that same level of energy was the Tim Tebow speech. That's the only speech I could think of close to the <laughs> That Tebow speech is legendary, no cap. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it gave me that type of feel. I was like, too. When he was yeah. like, oh. oh, when he was in Miami. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. He, was, he was hot. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Ed Reed, too. Thank you, froze. He's on right, bro. Shout out to him. So, obviously, you had a legendary uh, legendary career at Virginia Tech. So, like you said, before you're a first-round draft pick, 32nd pick, and you come into a situation where they've just won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. Did you, did you feel any pressure going into that situation? Like, you had to do something to get y'all back to the Super Bowl? Or was it just like an easy transition for you? Yeah. I wouldn't say it was an easy transition. It was definitely like, um, you know, coming in and I was hungry. You know, I'm, I knew I was on a good team because they just won the Super Bowl, even though they lost players or whatever, whatever may happen. But uh, I knew I was coming into an organization already without that Super Bowl, like a classic organization that's like been around for a minute. And that's been killing it for like, since they've been around, you know yeah, what I'm saying? In the Big Apple. So it's just like, I was coming in hungry and like knew, knew like, all right, I'm under the lights now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how was it playing with uh, a quarterback in Eli Manning, obviously being a potential Hall of Famer, how was it being in a huddle with him? And can you just speak on the impact he had on that Giants team? Uh, just being on the team, you know, uh, he was like quiet. He was like more a leader by actions kind of thing. By the time I got there, I don't know how he was the years before. Sound like he'd been the same from yeah. what I've been hearing. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> yeah. That's so, real. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man, just like I said, just being on the team, like playing for Coach Coughlin, you know, having a Super Bowl MVP, handing you the ball, throwing you the ball, you know, it just solidified that more, like even more. Like, nah, you made it to the NFL. Like, you was on the real deal. Like, you was with the real right. deal. So, yeah. Right, right. So, when joining that team, I think Amar Bradshaw was still the running back at that time. Yeah. What kind of advice did he give you? Being a like you're a rookie now, and he he's a, a Super Bowl running back at this point. So, what yeah. advice did he give you as soon as you stepped into the league? Oh man, he was nice. I had a lot of respect for him, and then he won like. It wasn't like I was expecting. I was like, all right, him being a running back, they just drafted a running back. You think it'll be like some like some tension. Yeah, like uh. who this dude, like who this dude, I'm finna crush this dude kind of thing, like in practice or whatever. But he like making sure like I'm learning the playbook, helping me out. So that's when I respected him a lot more because I was like, yo, no, nah, he just really wanna win. So when they mm-hmm. cut him, when they cut him and made me the starter, it was like, nah, yo, like I was kind of feeling like that was ready to be good. Like, yeah, yeah. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like we, had, we was just uh, at the end of the season, we started to click and find that chemistry of like, okay, this is your responsibility. This is my responsibility type of thing to feed off each other. Mm-hmm. But I guess they, uh, you know, he was dealing with a lot of injuries or whatever. I don't know what happened, but, uh, you know, that's how that went down. But, yeah, he was a good teammate. For sure. And can you just speak on what was your, like, welcome to the NFL moment? What made you feel like I can play in this league, play in the NFL? What was that moment for you? (laughs) Oh, man, I remember uh, just being in, like, in high school and, like, just running the ball, and I would, like, just be, like, Man, it would be like dominating, right? Like I just like step on somebody and like they like just bounce off the ground. Like you know, mm-hmm. just like I'm just like, hold on. Yeah. It's hitting kind of different. I feel like I could play in the NFL right now. Like at the time for real, for real. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Actually getting to the NFL and experiencing it, it was like, nah, you couldn't play in the NFL then. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah, you just good yeah. for your league. Yeah. So yeah, after Virginia Tech, I was like way better player than what I was at high school. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it came to celebrations, uh, you were in a time when celebrating was okay, and then we had the transition of celebrations had to slow down, and then now they're slowly getting back to letting players celebrate. What was your rookie moment where you found your celebration? Because I know you did flips and stuff like that, but like Quincy was saying, you're welcome to the NFL moment, like your first touchdown or your first special teams moment. How did you find your celebration? So, like, all these dances was coming out, like, whatever, when I was, like, coming in. You know, I had seen, like, T.O. growing up and Chad Johnson do their celebrations. So, I'm like, no, nah, the fans like that. That's sweet. So, like, I'm like, no, nah, I got to do something when I score. Yeah. yeah. Victor Cruz had the salsa. You know, Amar Bradshaw had, like, his thing. Yeah. And I'm like, hold up. I'm like, hold up. So, whatever I come up with, probably I got to stick with. So, I came with this, like, choreograph, like, thing I thought of that was dope. And then I scored my touchdown, all this energy of excitement, like, go through me. And it was just like, boom, backflip. And then it was like, all my teammates was like, oh, that show is crazy. And yeah. Like, I'll stick with that. Because <laughs> yeah. that joke kind of risky, though. Especially after just going to touchdown, you're doing a flip. That means you <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just, every time I see you flipping your highlights, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> I want to get it laying on his neck a little bit. Hold on. Now. That's how the uh, coach – Man, me and Coach Coughlin had like a hour long meeting, like about that. Like, yeah, don't flip, and I'm like, I got it. <laughs> nah, you know, <laughs> yeah, this what a fan's coach. I'm gonna say this your this your thing now. Like, this where everybody know you. Yeah, you watch, any, watch uh, any given Sunday. Yeah, with Cool J, with he in there with the coach. Like, nah, this is my endorsement. So, so, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's your thing. I, like, nah, I gotta do the flip, Coach. That's real. So I remember I walked out the office kind of like, nah, yeah, like I, I, I guess I feel where you're coming from, but I ain't like guarantee I won't go do it again. Mm-hmm. And then like the next game, I scored a touchdown. He was like, you did that flip again, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I scored, man wanted you to- I scored a touchdown. You worried about the flip? Yeah. That man wanted you to land on the one just so he can get somebody else in to score. <laughs> <laughs> do no flip, dog. He ain't want to do no flips. Get somebody in the one. I can't get him in the way. I don't want to do no flip. All right, man. So, obviously, you had a a hell of a first year. So, you make second team all pro as a kick returner. And, like you said, you were splitting carries with Amon Bradshaw for that that rookie season. Uh, Can you just speak on what it was just to go – just to play through that season and be like an all pro your first year? Crazy. Like, nobody really gets that their rookie season. So that, for me, that's really all I had was my rookie season because my uh, next season I didn't get to play all the way through, so I only had mm-hmm. one and a half seasons under my belt. But man, I feel like I capitalized on all the opportunities that I had. Uh, for the most part, like you said, getting accolades, breaking records, and like you know what I'm saying, being all pro, second team all pro, and whatever have you, uh, multiple things that I can carry on, memories that I created. And it's just yeah. like so. Uh, I definitely feel like I took advantage of it. That's real. And did you, and also I want to ask you this question too because I was just on a, a dead end sports the other day and one of the hosts over there Nick Ducey shout out to Nick he was saying that he he felt like you were the Saquon in that city when you were drafted so did you have did you ever feel like that like they were not like you had Saquon's talent or anything like that but did you ever feel like you were the next one like I'm it you know what I'm saying in a way yeah, 
when when you get drafted in the first round, you kind of feel like the team is probably going to go in that direction of probably building around you, mm. uh, kind of thing. And I remember, like, I, I hear people say stuff like "you was Odell before Odell" kind of thing. Yeah, and, like these are like flattering statements because, like, when I look at like what this like what Odell's actually done to football. And for you to say something like that, I don't know if yeah. you're like a super fan or you just like, you know what I'm saying? But oh, no, it's much respect. Fan. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. He's a super fan. He's a super fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying. The, the influence you had, like, I, back again with Le'Veon Bell and Kamara thing. I know Le'Veon was in the league before you, but it was like, I kind of feel like his name got brought up before yours. That's why yeah, I was yeah. thing. Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, man, it was just, like, just hearing stuff like that. But, like, actually, Coach Coughlin, I just go by, like, my team. I was really, like, not really what the fans say. It's just about me having my own goals for myself and, like, paying attention to, like, the feedback I'm getting from people that's in charge of that, which was my coaches. And my coach, like, actually, like, told the team in 2012, like, man, David Wilson is our spark. Uh, every game, looking forward to him getting the kick returns off, giving us that great field position. He just sparked electricity through the whole team. So, he, like – in team meetings or whatever, like days before the game, he was looking for me to like do that, and he he, he gave me that responsibility. So, like I said, he was a Super Bowl winning coach. So for he, hear him say, "Man, you the spark of the New York Giants," I mean, that's like that's like the, like flattering. flattering yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially because you're on the Big Brother team in New York. You got the Giants and you got the Jets, and obviously that franchise was the Big Brother as opposed to the Jets. So. Yeah. And also, and also, can you like speak on that those two teams, man? Like, what was the Jet situation when you were playing? Were they good? Was that the Mark Sanchez years when they were when they when you were down there? I think so. Yeah, when I was there, they ain't, uh, I don't know how it is now or where where it was before when I got there. But when I was there, they ain't get that much respect. They didn't like, just being in the city, like just in the restaurants or whatever. Like it's the Jets. They never got. <laughs> they never got yeah. respect. They didn't get that much respect. People was like, "Nah, bleed blue, bleed blue." Like. That's they, of course, they had their fans, but it was yeah, like, yeah. nah, everybody's majority, like, Giants. Even the Jets fans was like, nah, Giants. Yeah. <laughs> Giants not, too. The Jets got their respect back in, like, the 70s. The Jets got their respect back in, like, the 70s and all that with shotguns and all that. Too, right? That's what they really got. So, name it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They had some good players. They had a lot of good players and stuff. Yeah. Like, all the time. So, like, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. yeah, actually living in, like, the city and stuff. And being there, I don't know if it's because they knew I played for the Giants, so they was, like, switching up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, when I was around, they won't get yeah. that much. <laughs> they trying to get a pick with you, so they saying they're a Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm a Giants, man. Yeah. You know, they wearing green underneath the next truck or something. <laughs> Crazy. All right, bro. Hey. But now, going to the true turning point in your career and also in your life, the injury that happened in 2014, I want to say it was 2014 versus 2013. 2013 yeah. or 14? 2013. 2013. Yeah. The injury with your neck that defined the turning point in your career. Can you just take us through that moment? Moment because I read in the New York Post that when Tom Coughlin seen you after the injury, you were you were in good spirits. Like it's like you didn't really even have that much negativity because you got to live your dream. So walk us through what that moment felt like when you kind of knew you weren't really going to play anymore. So yeah, this uh, this moment of uh, me being injured on the field when it actually happened, I uh, was playing against the Eagles in 2013 October, uh, breast cancer awareness game, and uh, get a handoff routine play, hit the ground, get tackled, but this time when I hit the ground, like I don't know, I don't really remember hitting the ground, but I just know when I hit the ground, I went numb, and everything was numb, like you know, I like you sleep on your arm and it's like a sting, like numb. Yeah. Right. Uh, that came later. At this point, I couldn't feel nothing. So I'm laying on the ground. And I open my eyes and look at the ground. And I feel like I'm, like, floating up. Like, kind of like I don't feel like I'm on the surface. Yeah. So I tap the ground. Like, no, nah, I'm still here. I'm alive. Like, so I get up. Like, start working my way to my feet. Get on arms and my hands and knees. Like, trying to gain, like, regain it. Regain the feeling so I can push myself up to my feet. Because I, what I won't about to do is get up and just, like, flat. Face plant, like on TV, everything, right? So I'm just getting up, and then uh, the feeling started coming back slowly as I jog to the sideline. And then once I get to the sideline, they was like, man, you took a while to get up. You good? And I was like, yeah, my whole body went numb, but I'm good now. And then they was like, no, nah, you're not. We got to check that out. So they took me to the locker room, and I'm, like, fighting them. Like, y'all tripping? Like, 
we got a game going on. Like, the offense yeah. ready to get back out there. Like, I'm trying to get out there. And they're like, no, nah, this your health. It's way more important. So they're doing the scans and stuff. And I'm, like, kind of, like, rushing them. Because I'm feeling like everything. Like, I told y'all I'm good out there on the field. Like, y'all got me back here doing extra. And uh, You had you know, that adrenaline, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm in game mode. Yeah, I'm trying to win. Well, just, like, yeah, the adrenaline. And, uh, you know, the doctors was like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not good. Don't uh, uh, We don't think you're going to play again today. Uh, just take the game off. So I'm, like, completely crushed by that or whatever. Like, man, y'all whack for that kind of thing because I'm feeling fine. So, like, you mentioned Coach Coffin saying I was good. Uh, I'm telling my parents I'm good. They was at the game after the game or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'll be back next week. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing on ESPN, like, uh, David Wilson have a career in the injury, neck injury. And I'm like, nobody told me. Nobody said that. Nobody I was just about to say that. that. Nobody told you that? Yeah, nobody said this was career ending. They, they was telling me, like, for the game, don't go back out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody was saying that to me like it was that serious. Uh, but I guess I, like, was the adrenaline. Like, maybe they was telling me, but I'm like, nah, like, I ain't hurt. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to, like, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, the adrenaline was going, and then I started hearing that on ESPN and on Sports Center and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I go to the doctor, and they tell me that it's this, that, and the third, and they showing me on the X-ray, and I'm just like, this don't make sense. This is probably already like that or something because I feel fine. Mm-hmm. Blank, blank, blank. Anyway, long term, uh, long story short, I had to go do the surgery. Did the surgery? They said I'll be able to uh, after the surgery, I'll be able to play again, and this would be the safest way. So I do the surgery and I'm going back out there to get cleared. The day they cleared me, I'm back out there on the field, ready to get it in. And then uh, right before the season start, I was having a good training camp, but right before the season start, same episode happened. But this time it's like, it's not even a tackle. I just ran in the back of one of my teammates, like on a look, like a flea flicker play. So I ran in the back of one of my teammates and then the same thing happened. My whole body go numb. And at that point it was like, Dang, like that felt weird because I didn't think that would happen again. The doctors yeah. told me that they could fix it, and that's fixed now. So I go back to the doctor. Uh, I go back to the doctor, and they check my neck or whatever, and they say everything looks the same or whatever. Everything looked good, but uh, he just advised me like, uh, "You'll probably keep experiencing these episodes if you play, and uh, it's high chance, like a way higher chance of possibility that the feeling won't come back." Uh, and after your surgery in, in 2013 going into the 2014 season, did they tell you, like, how much risk you were taking by coming back? Did they tell you about any risk? Yeah, it's just like a neck surgery. Uh, the doctor was confident in him doing the procedure and everything. Uh, and it was supposed to be like, like, like you'll be, yeah, Peyton Manning mm-hmm. had this, this player uh, had it before. Uh, but they were saying they're not the same exact one. Yeah. Okay, it's the same exact. Wait, even though they had this procedure. Mm-hmm. The reason for the procedure is different. The person's body reaction to the procedure is different, kind of stuff like that. So he was letting me know that, but he was like, I'm confident that you're going to be stronger. Like, your neck going to be stronger than before. Mm-hmm. I'm like, when I hear that, I'm like, well, you're a doctor, and like, you know what I'm saying? If it's going to be stronger, let's get it in. Like, yeah. You know, I'm trying to play. Like, I'm not trying to retire, you know what I'm saying, right now. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, he do the surgery. Uh, I do the rehab and everything, and then I come back and like I said, we just in training camp and practice right before the uh, season start. Get the same episode. Doctor said, "Man, I wouldn't play again if I was you, because uh, you risk being paralyzed." Wow. Uh, so like, it was like a year and a half build up to like them like my career like really being over. Like, nah, you can't play no more. Like that's insane. Yeah. And if you play again, you ain't playing for the NFL or the Giants kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we don't want to have our name. Because I was like, man, I'll sign something. Like, what's good? I'll sign. Yeah, yeah. But they was mm-hmm. like, ah, uh, we wouldn't want to do that. We wouldn't want to risk that. Blank, blank, blank. So. And I and I remember your press conference, man, because obviously it was just so emotional. And, like, can you just explain the emotion of obviously being a top prospect coming out of school and always playing the game of football and just having it just ripped away from you so quickly? So can you just, just describe that emotion for us? Man, like I said, it, it was like a buildup, and like I've been hearing on TV, and I'm just like, all right. They don't know what they're talking about, though, because I'm sitting here and I'm fine. I know I'm strong enough. To, like, I'm good. 
Mm. But then, uh, like, when you actually got to go up front of everybody and announce, like, this is my last, like, time talking to y'all kind of thing. Yeah. In that moment, like, I won so many awards, <clears throat> uh, championships, you know, accolades and trophies. You're the best this. You're the best that. You're number one. You're number one kind of thing, right? And, uh, you know, every day it's an article in the paper about you in the New York Times or in the in Virginia or the Richmond Times or wherever. And it's like everywhere. You're in front of magazines and you've got commercials and sponsorships. And when you up there telling everybody, like, I can't play again because I'm hurt. And it's like, tag, it's like, man, it's like, you don't pay attention to that stuff when it's happening. It just yeah. hits you. It's just like, you, like I say, you like, go, go, go. Like a running back mentality, like, keep them legs going. So you never like looking at a picture like, hey, that's me in a Virginia Tech jersey like scoring a touchdown. You never like really you look like yeah, next you next what's next what's next yeah yeah, yeah. in the moment yeah yeah like you got all these fans screaming your name like yo David Wilson like you like hey, yeah let's get it let's get it like yeah after you finish playing and you sit at home you think about that stuff you think about that stuff and you. You realize like how special it was, and you realize like how blessed you were to be a part of it. And it's like, man, you remember that forever. I'm remember that forever. So, how did you transition into music once football ended? Did you go straight into it after football was over, or was was there anything else that you did leading up to music? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was training for track, for training for the Olympics. Uh, had a trial with the Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles. They wanted me to play for their uh, baseball team. I don't know if y'all remember Brady Anderson. He was, I remember uh, the name. Uh, yeah, he was, for the he was on the front of the video game back then or whatever. That's what it was. I remember the name. Yeah, he was big time, yeah. He, like, won a uh, home run, most home runs in the season yeah. some one time. Anyway, he heard heard about me, uh, got with me training one day, saw me, and was like, nah, you coming to train out? You want to train out for pro baseball? Mm -hmm. So I go out there to the camp and everything with them. And that was lit. And then uh, as far as music, though, <clears throat> the way I got into it was because I'm doing, uh, like, all throughout growing up, I was, like, always in the choir or, like, singing, like, performing, like, little stuff like that uh, at school. I went to a school for the arts. So, like, creating an art expression was always something that I knew was important and I, and I like, excelled at, like, winning art contests at school or, like, in the city or the state being recognized for my art, uh, just uh, having that vibe of creating uh, was something that I did. But once I was playing with, done playing with football, I had more time to like tap back into that kind of stuff. But music is something I always like, like I said, I never thought I would be creating it. It was just something I like to like inspire me or like get me going for like a certain situation or set the mood. Mm -hmm. But once I had more time, I went to the studio session with my brother and uh, who he was in, into music, like as far as creating and everything. But uh, I went to a studio session with him and then I was like, man, I can do this. Like, let me hop in there, let me hop in the booth. So yeah. I'm like riding around listening to the song in the car, like, oh, right. this joint got a fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So that feeling right there just kind of grew, like sending it to my friends. Like, they like, yeah, this joint hot, yo, keep going, keep going. So it's like, mm -hmm. that little hobby, like taking it as a hobby, like, cause I had more free time and like, was like, unlocking that like oh you can create this too you can do this too kind of thing mm -hmm. and then i started like actually like learning like music like how to write songs and how to like create compose beats and uh make instrumentals and like at first i'm just thinking like you just use music to make music like for the rappers or singers then mm -hmm. you look at like video games commercials podcasts mm -hmm. uh, elevators like everything like just got to use the apps everything yeah. got music yeah. to it so music just like, you know, it's a universal language and they make a lot of things connect. So, uh, you know, just sitting here, like make, this is my studio right here. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, this is my creative zone. Yeah. Yes, sir. So just listening to your songs, man, you have a lot of like vibe songs, like a lot of like even kill songs. So is that just something to tell something about, does that tell something about you? Or will you transition into more of like trappy beats in the future or like the vibe, vibey beats your lane, do you feel? Yeah. Well, with me, I feel like um, when I first started creating music, like I used to go on YouTube 
and like get a beat, right? And then like this producer started noticing like me like creating beats in the studio. Like it, it first started like I just bring them a beat from YouTube, later track on it. And then like I'm like, hold up. And people are like asking me, like, you, you sell this? You got rights to it? Like this, that, and the third. I'm like, nah, I don't got no rights. What you talking about? Like, yeah. yeah. Got the beat from YouTube. Like, they was like, yeah. is that an MP3 or a WAV file? And I'm like, yeah. oh, no, like, what you talking about? It's an MP3. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, you can't sell it. You can't do nothing with that kind of thing. So, like, once I found that out, I'm like trying to, like, how can I get rights to my music? It's either like you can buy a beat off YouTube, who's like, there's probably this producer, like, with a stock kid or something that just like, same snare drum, same trap drum. Uh, so I go to the studio and like start like telling the like dudes that knew how to play the keyboard like no nah, no nah, a little bit higher like play that a little bit smoother like orchestrating them. Yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> People still liking the tracks that I'm my friends still liking the tracks that I'm laying down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm like nah like I can do this like I'm telling them like what keys to hit. So like yeah. <clears throat> so it built up to a point where I actually like played like. You know what I'm saying? Like a little bit of it. So then I was like, man, I'm getting that joint in my crib so I can do it all the time. And the producer told me, he was like, he was like, bro, for real, for real, you don't need me no more. He was like, what you can, what you need to do is like create this at home, spend your money and create your studio at home. And uh, you can like sit at home and just create more of your unique sound. Because he was like, you you kind of compensating with these beats that you're getting from YouTube, but I feel like you got like a more, uh, a sound where you going, where it's just be your own kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm sitting at home and I'm like starting to do it. <clears throat> and then I'm finding out like, no, nah, none of the beats that I want to make, that I make songs to are the sound like none of the stuff that I normally find. Mm-hmm. So just creating that sound for myself. And then just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm able to get people, my fans and my listeners are more raw vibe of like my opinion and it's not like okay compensated it's like no it's art so i created and it's like truly coming from me that's right that's why i sound that's why i sound like nothing you never heard because i (laughs) it ain't no other day yeah Yeah. (laughs) your your story is very similar to inky johnson's injuries are the injuries that you both sustained are different but it's like your storyline of how you transitioned into a whole nother career that you just didn't see yourself going to but you always had it in you to do like you said you went to a school for the arts and I don't think you probably at the time when you were in NFL you probably didn't see that being your later career you probably seen yourself doing football all those years but it's funny how God works and puts you in that situation now Inky Johnson he doing the motivational speaking a skill that he had that he never thought he would use you yeah, know, it's just yeah, uh, the basketball yeah. player, right? Uh, no, uh, play football for Texas. I want to okay. say Texas or Tennessee, one of the other. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember either. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't remember either. I, hey, <laughs> I, the, the name, the name rung a bell, but I was like, I don't know where he played that. That's an old school dude. I don't know. It, it was either Texas or Tennessee. I can't remember which one. Ten, it was I, Tennessee. I, it was ten, it was orange. Yeah, it was Tennessee. It was Tennessee. It was Tennessee. So I wanted to ask you this question. So it's a lot of people that they obviously play the sport, but after they play the sport, they really turn away from it. They don't even watch it no more because they're not involved in it anymore. So are you the same way or do you still watch sports or stuff and stuff like that? Other no, man, I love I love sports. I love competition. So I ain't missed like football games. I ain't missed the Super Bowl. I ain't missed none of that. No playoff games, none of that. I ain't missed none of that. For basketball, football, like sports that I like watching. So uh, you still with the Giants then? Yeah, yeah. So I still keep up with them, watching them. I'm watching, yeah. see what they're doing. <laughs> y'all trash. Yeah, hey, hey, y'all trash as hell. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I can't even defend it, bro. I can't even defend it. You it's said so much talent. that reach out to you? There's so much talent there, but I'm like, yo. I want y'all to be winning, like winning. Yeah. Man. I love hitting the New York Giants fan when y'all down because y'all be up a lot. So I love hitting y'all when y'all down. <laughs> I ain't even going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah. So then, What you saying, bro? You still got teammates that reach out to you every now and then, talk to you, or friends in the league in general? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much everybody, almost, that like I was cool with then, I'm still cool with uh, a little bit. Yeah. That's real, that's real. So I want to talk about uh, more of the state of the NFL right now. Obviously, coronavirus is going on. 
So do you even see a season starting? Or it will start, but do you see the the season lasting? Because we just seen with the MLB, they got coronavirus testing, and the Miami Marlins just caught it. So do you see it for the NFL where the season will be stopped in the middle of the season? I don't know what people are doing, yo. This is crazy to me. Like, we got a pandemic. Like, we still trying to play sports. <laughs> crazy, hold bro. Up, hold up. Hold up. It's more than 50 people. Won't they saying something like 50 people shouldn't be in a crowd or something like that? Right. Each team got yeah. 53 players on it. Like, I'm like, yo. And that's just each team. <laughs> that's just the players. That's not yeah, even the that's just each team, yeah. That's not the trainers. That's not the reporters. The, they got to be there. They ain't including all of them. Crazy, so it's like that's still too many people in like a group. Like I see they started hockey season and stuff. They mm, saying yeah. fans, but it's like, I mean, it it don't matter. I don't know, I don't know the purpose. I don't know yeah. the purpose. That's real because you're seeing all the players opt out right now. I think six players from the Patriots just already opted out and said they're not even playing this year. So can you just foresee more people doing the same thing, not even trying to risk it and just trying to get Yeah, yeah just talk, talking to some people, like they saying, like, they, yeah, that some they haven't opted out, they telling me, like, nah, I don't know about this. I don't yeah. know about this. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy, bro. So it's a, it's a bigger issue going out here right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we need to focus on that. Man. So when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement and these past few months in general, other than coronavirus, we've had a ton of um, added on incidents of police brutality, uh, racial injustice, social injustice. What is your stance right now on the black community and how do you feel we can continue to move forward with the protests that we've been doing over the few months and all the stances that people have been taking? Man, when you talk about that topic right there, it's like I could talk about that all day, like all day, like, right? Yeah. And it's like, for the sake of the conversation, it's like, nah, I stand with that. Everybody got to do better. Everybody got to do better. And everybody everybody just got to work together or figure out something else. Because Mm -hmm. uh, it's been happening for like a long time, right? Since the beginning of the time, like far as history, American yeah, history, for sure. last right, literally, so it's like it's too slow. Like it's kind of like baby feeding petty stuff. Like all right, we'll let y'all vote now. Like all right, we ain't gonna hang y'all. We ain't gonna hang y'all like every every week. So hey, it's like all right, all right. it's like yo, this is like slow. Like I think about it, like it's sad. Like Martin Luther King is fighting for like civil rights. This is like basic, like That's civilization. Basic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like civil rights. Like, that's the bare minimum. And this mm-hmm. is what we're fighting for. And it's like, uh, y'all can sit in the movie theater. Like, this is like petty stuff. Like, so it's like, this is happening too slow. I feel like the uh, grounds need to be reset or something. Like, everybody need to really be equal or we need to figure something that we're, we're, we're Let's keep it G then. Like, if we're yeah. not really equal, right. let's keep it G. And, like, we'll figure out what we're going to do after that. Crazy, bro. So- but it's like, ah, right, yeah. So where do you stand with like the police brutality thing? So are you with defunding the police or do you think it's another alternative action that could be done when it comes to that police brutality aspect? Yeah, when I look up, actually look at the statistics of like, uh, like how many black people are killed and how many people are police killed, like or do injustice too, rather they like regardless of race, that mm-hmm. number is too high regardless, like for, of anything, like, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, something is wrong with the police and like system. Uh, we need to have that more organized. Maybe that need to be like more like a uh, a military grade kind of like service mm-hmm. versus like a you know what I'm saying like a side hustle. Like all you gotta do is train a little bit. We get your gun and your badge. Like right. yeah. And now he brought up that topic before, so Edgar, I want you to speak on that real quick. Yeah, we spoke about this. I want to say in like June, like early June, late May. We spoke about this and. I was explaining how I feel qualifications to become a policeman or a policewoman, whichever you are, like they need to be way more intense because there's no way that you can train not even a whole year and become a police officer. Like that's crazy. And you get all these weapons on you, but you're scared for your life of citizens that have no weapons. Like we need the qualifications of becoming a police officer to be way more strict, like you said more military grade type training, more military grade type tests to like ensure that we're getting the best quality. Cause a quote 
that I that I like that Chris Rock said in a in a show he did in 2018, you get what you pay for. We pay we pay cheap prices for policemen. We get cheap prices. Yeah, we get cheap effort. You know what I'm saying? So like teachers, like teachers, like all right, you got they like these important jobs, like nurses. You see nurses is important, like like bro, we need to pay these people like yeah. legit money so we get like high quality standards set for it, so we get in the best quality like people that can do it. Right. Yeah. Like you just got anybody like you know what I'm saying, like a firefighter. Like this dude is like got lives in his hands, like for real. Mm-hmm. For real. And why yeah. he, why he ain't getting paid as much as a heart surgeon when he's exactly. like saving lives on the street? Like he's literally giving CPR, like saving lives right here. Exactly. So it's like, why aren't we like up in that, like, and being cheap with them? Like, we got stuff like a stimulus package, like, and everybody getting all this money all of a sudden. It's like, yo, people been struggling for a long time. Like, hey, y'all been broke that? yeah, that was easier to fix because now it's the whole country, but at first it was just like a neighborhood or something. Like, yeah. That. It's like, yeah. I don't know. You just think about it, bro. Flint still don't got water. We They passing out all this money. <laughs> Flint still don't got clean water, dog. Exactly. That's crazy. That's not making sense to me. They don't care about Flynn at all, bro. That's ridiculous. And it, it's been like celebrities trying to help them out too. Jaden Smith like was sending like tons of his water brand out there, and that's still not enough to like help the entire city of Flint really? or even other cities in um Detroit, not Detroit, but in Michigan. Yeah, it's crazy. I wanted to ask you this question as well. Did you feel any effects of the riots that came after the George Floyd uh, killing? Because we had Ernest Gardner on the podcast NFL Hopeful, and he was talking about like people were like in his area, like rioting, like right next to his apartment building. So did you uh, experience anything like that rioting near you at all? Yeah, so in Atlanta, it was bad. Uh, like I watched, I remember watching on the news, I ain't actually go out there. I got a three-year-old son, it's my oldest, I got three sons. <laughs> I went out there really with the riots and the coronavirus. But uh, man, they did damage. They tore yeah. a lot of stuff up and um, you know, the effect that I had from it was just being like, yo, these people look like me and they struggling. And I'm saying all these people look like me on the news. Like it's either one or two things they provoke, <clears throat> like provoking us, like trying to get a reaction, like by putting this story on, like these stories on the news and excluding like all the news and just like zooming in on this to get a reaction. Or it's like, nah, the factual thing is though, but it's been happening too long right. and people are upset. What I feel like, what I feel like, like what I was saying earlier, like, yo, it's happening too slow, yo. I feel like it's happening too slow for stuff to really get equal. Yeah. And the fact that we've been moving kind of fast recently with how how much we're coming together now and it's still moving slow, that speaks yeah. that <laughs> speak a lot of volumes, bro. Yeah. I, I, I like the fact that so many of us are coming together recently. Like, you're seeing way more unified black people than we've seen in the past three, four, five years now. And I like that, but I, I totally agree. We're still moving too slow. I feel like we're still asking when we should be demanding the respect yeah. and the equality that we deserve. So I totally agree with you with that. And we still seeing the systemic racism, bro. Even even in these protests, we still seeing the systemic racism. When the white folks had their COVID-19 protests, man, it was peaceful. Nobody was getting hurt. And it was all in the police face. And they had guns. They were protests for injustice. And we getting shot by the police with rubber bullets, dog. Like, what's going on here? Y'all, y'all speaking through that right there, speaking through y'all actions. And that's what's wild to me. That junk is crazy, bro. What's going on? It's crazy. You said, bro, this has been going on for way longer than that. We just, social media is just amplified. And it's crazy. Yeah, it just got it. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, and I heard they were making some law like you can, like, uh, so you can't, like, push stories to the top. So, like, you know, like Instagram or Twitter, they can promote a story. Or like oh, promote a certain topic to everybody, kind of thing. Make sure everybody see it. And some oh, things yeah. they can do like the opposite to thing. The bottom. Yeah, like everybody ain't gonna see that though, kind of thing. Oh, I can I can see that, but the government slipped that, bro. I can. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they got some they wild stuff like, up here, yo. That's what I'm saying. Like when you said it, I'm not even surprised, bro. I'm like, wow, I, I can definitely see that's going on in America, right? They now. they do it with advertisements, so I ain't so I wouldn't be surprised they if they do it with real stories. Facts, facts, facts. Uh, I think that's all the questions I had, honestly. And also, how did if the, if the NFL season does start this season, bro? What could the players do to start a Black Lives Matter like initiative? 
as we've seen with the NBA, they got the Black Lives Matter on the, the court. They're going to have the social injustice things on the back of their jerseys, things like that. What could the NFL do to show that they stand, or at least show, at least fake it or something, show that they do care with, care about the black folks? But we they, they said they were putting names. They putting names on the back of helmets. They said they were gonna put names on the back of helmets. So I, I guess that's their way of. That's a slap on the ass. Tell you to go on. That's how they do it, that's, man. That, that ain't no good. That's baby. That ain't no good. That ain't no good. Bro, I heard somebody said they was gonna play the black national anthem, and it's like that is that yo that that's, is petty. That's yo. not happening, bro. They doing everything. They doing everything but what we asking for. Exactly. Like, like, no, like. So my thing would be like, if it's really, if it's really like, if people really want to be on the most powerful thing that I can see happen is like, anybody black, they ain't gonna be a part of the NFL this year or whatever. My brother been saying that for at least years. Three I feel like that'll be powerful. He's like been saying that for powerful. years now. What if every black player just, just for one week? Just people seeing it, like people seeing it, like, nah, you just saying that because you ain't getting a check, NFL check. You getting an NFL check is a lot harder, but like. That'll be powerful, though. That speak volumes. Will be powerful. One week. Just one week. That's all you need. One week. Every black player just be like, I'm not going to work today. Because you're seeing that players, even in the NFL, still not getting, like, the point of what we're doing. Even with the cap knee situation. We heard Drew Brees' uh, comments in, about the flag. It sounded like he still didn't understand what we were doing. Yeah, it's about. like, he don't get it. So it's like, like even so still he, after he all he of this, you still don't get what we're doing here. No, he, he understood. He just – didn't want to understand. He understood, but he didn't want to go with what he understood. I don't yeah. know, bro. That's a grown man. You know the difference. Right That's crazy, bro. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's silver stuff. It's silver stuff. So you're it's a like, grown man in the city of New Orleans. Like you're in the black mecca of Louisiana. You ain't finna sit here and tell me you don't get it. Like he not he not in the New Orleans trenches like that, dog. He in the upper echelon. You're, you in you in New Orleans, bro. Like I don't want to hear it. Man, I don't Orleans. know, bro. How he was saying one of the black, you're one of the blackest cities on the east coast, one of the blackest cities. I don't mean in he get it though, bro. That don't mean he get it. That nigga could be in Atlanta, don't mean he get it. You can't you <laughs> can't say you don't, don't you get, get it. it. You can't say you don't get it. You either get it and you're not acting on it, or you just truly don't get it. And I'm pretty sure he gets it, he's just not acting on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, if the players sit out, if the if the black players sitting out, like if you really for the cause, you would be sitting out too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah, I feel like that'll be powerful. But I know they ain't been to do that. I know they nah, ain't, they ain't finna do that, bro. The NBA, I hope they, they ain't finna do that. Yeah, they ain't finna do it. And uh, also, I just wanted to ask you this question before we get out of here: Where do you see yourself, or what is your hope for yourself? Where will you be in five years? Where would David Wilson be in five years? What will we be saying about you in five years? Oh man, I'll still be. Uh, Doing, doing my thing, doing my thing, finding happiness and just uh, creating and, uh, you know, raising my kids. My kids will be older then. So we're here. How old are your kids right now? Uh, my oldest son is three, and I got three sons. So it's like, Dang. yeah. What, three, back two, back one? Back. Like, yeah. Back to back. Really <laughs> how's fatherhood been, though? We ain't even getting in there. How was, how's fatherhood been? Oh, man, it's been lit. So, like, I had a dog, right? <clears throat> Well, I still got a dog. I got my dog, Deuce. It's a Rottweiler. I bought him. He was a puppy. I used to hold him in my arms. I used to be talking to my dad on the phone. Like, yo, this this joint like my son. Yo, this dog's like my son. Like, he was like, what? He was like, nah. Like, nah, your dog ain't like your son. So I'm like, hey, you don't get it. You ain't never had no dog. You don't know what I'm talking about kind of thing. Yeah. I never had no son. When I had my son, I was like, hell no, this is not like a dog. <laughs> it's not like nothing I yeah. can buy, or like, you know what I'm saying? Or like, yeah. none of that. like, this is different. Yeah. So, like, it's electric. Yeah, every day, it's something exciting. Like, he be singing my songs. Like, he just like why he playing or whatever. Like, he's a big supporter. Like, at a young age, he's like smart, learning new stuff, telling, like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Hearing, learning new words and like just seeing that whole experience. Mm hmm. And would you would you want your kids to follow your path with the football with the football route? Being everything that you know about it, the concussion that come with it, would you still want them to follow your football route if that's what they wanted to do? Yeah. So like my dad, he didn't play in the NFL, he didn't play sport, but he gave me a lot of tips that like gave me an edge. So me being a like actually a part of it and being like going far in it and actually educated on it, like my dad, he didn't even like he probably could name a few teams. 
and I feel like yeah. the Cowboys, the Redskins, like after yeah. that, it's kind of like, uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't care about football. He like boxing or whatever. So, oh, but like he, yeah, so he let me know about like uh, when I started playing football, he just took interest in it because I had interest in it. And he saw I was good at it. So he started like giving me a little advice. But like me actually being like educated in football, I feel like I can uh, help him avoid a lot of that stuff and teach him the right way to play the game. That's real, but that's, that's real. What's up. That's yeah. what's up. But like I said, man, we appreciate having you on. Like we said before, we are huge yeah. fans so, of the game. Like I like I told you before, when you just got on here, man. You came in an era, bro, where it was West Virginia that 07 to 2010, bro. Where it was hey. late in the West Virginia. It was <laughs> like I said, you was putting them on the map, and my Gators was popping. So that's when I was really watching college football. And yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> stuck out to me, bro. So I definitely yeah, appreciate you did for the game for Virginia Tech. For whatever you gave for the Giants, the All Pro season, everything that you gave, man, and I hope nothing but success for you in this music production and music artistry game, man. Nothing but success. Thanks, appreciate that. Yes, Same to y'all. Good with fatherhood, fatherhood, finding happiness. I hope your music career goes well. I hope your sons grow up to follow your path, whether it's finding happiness with whatever they want to do, whether it's art, sports, or whatever. So blessings to you and your family for real. Yeah, and can you just let them? Hey, much love, man. And where can they find you at? One more time, where can they find you at? Yeah, check me out on all my social media platforms. And Four Still Running. Or you can check me out on uh, searching David E. Wilson on your music streaming And that's the platform. number four. Yeah. The number four. So four S-T-I-L-L-R-U-N-N-I-N-G. Yes, sir. Definitely follow my man, and we appreciate you having you on, man. Yeah. Like I said, much love, and we out for the day. Peace. For sure, for sure.